0: So this is our final week. Let's see if we, there we go. Robert, you're a genius. It's our final week of uh, looking at the streamed television program called The Chosen, which if you haven't had, well, if you've been any of the last three weeks, you would have had a a fair sample and taste of that. Um, But if you haven't yet, I would just strongly urge you to to watch it and to be immersed in not only the culture of Jesus' time, but the the heart of, And the presence of Jesus. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to speak on what Shirley just read to us and then show you a 10 minute clip right at the end and invite God to minister to us as we watch that clip of where Jesus actually calls his first disciples. And it's so, so powerful. We can read those words that that Shirley just read to us and miss the gravity of what was taking place because of our realistic 20th century minds, that there's no way that we'd act the same. Could we walk away from our jobs, our superannuation, our shares, our income, our pension, our property investments, at the invitation of a stranger who we just met? That's the question we grapple with when we read these words from Matthew. And for many of us, that question is utterly paralyzing because we want to say yes. We also know we probably wouldn't and we feel guilty in that space. What would we do? But when we put the question like this, we miss the point entirely. We miss everything. You see, things were very different in the first century. For a start, most people, the majority of the population, did not have much. They were doing life tough. It was an agricultural seasonal community that thrived when it, the sun was right and the rain was right and the weather was right. But when those things weren't, when the fish weren't getting scooped up in the nets, which was seasonal, it was tough. There was extreme taxation. The Roman government were, were pinching the Jewish population for as much wealth as they could possibly get. And they were Jews, which meant under the Roman government, they had certain responsibilities, but also certain oppression that took place over them that a Roman centurion could call upon them at will, whenever they liked to serve them in a variety of ways. There was nothing they could do to resist. Force would be exerted otherwise. So their experience under their government was unjust and unfair. But every Jew lived in anticipation of the Messiah. They prayed that the Messiah would come. They hoped for a Messiah. They worshipped the God of the Messiah because the Messiah would save them from everything. Now think about this. If you're trapped in a highly taxed world where you can't possibly do anything to get ahead, where there's a constant fear of losing everything, where you're always stressed, where your freedoms have been restricted, and you're fearful of a violent and oppressive government, what does the prospect of a Messiah look like to you? The Messiah looks very appealing, doesn't it, under those circumstances. So when we read, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, known as Peter, his brother Andrew, they were casting a a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out for fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. It begins to see possible that such repentance could take place, providing they understood that this Jewish rabbi was the Messiah, was the Son of God calling them, then absolutely, That's a far better option than the nets in the boat, providing they recognised that the teacher was actually the Messiah. If this man, Jesus, was the Messiah, then it would never seem like they were losing and walking away from anything. But in fact, they were taking hold of and receiving everything. They were being saved, you see. From their poverty. It's all good. That was a nice ringtone. Could have had that as backing music, built to my point. They were being saved from their poverty and their stress and their hopelessness and the endless grind of it all from their sickness, from violence, from oppression, from hunger, from poverty. They were being saved to something magnificent and incredible and unbelievable. They were being saved to a life on mission, to a life in the kingdom of God, to a life with Jesus, the Messiah, to constant provision and security, a life of purpose and promise and wonder and miracles and joy and peace and hope and community. So, what would a Messiah need to be like in order to convince you? Because the Messiah was very convincing of the disciples that day. So I'd love to hear right now. What would a Messiah need to be like in order to convince you to follow them? And you've all been able to answer this question at one point or another in your lives. What is it you love about Jesus the most? What is it about Christ that would compel you to want to follow him? What do you reckon? There's no right or wrong answer. What do you think? That's right, making you work this morning. (laughs) What is it you most love about Jesus? Love for all of us, truth, trusting. Trusting. I'm struggling with the face mask, can't hear. (laughs) It's not you, it's me, Teddy. I'm not the person I was, but Jesus has transformed me. Yeah, not the person you were, but Jesus has transformed me. I'm the same, I'm the same. Others, what qualities would you want to see? Would you want in your Messiah? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Jeff. Anyone else? Yep. A to die in my place. Yeah! Wow, so powerful—a willingness to die in my place. Absolutely. Trent. Convince. Yes, he had. The, I love that passage in Matthew where it says he had an authority that was different to the religious teachers. It was so convincing, and and you. You go. What was it? Well, he was the Messiah. That's what was convincing. That then was conveyed through all the things he said and did. Steadfastness. Steadfastness. It's great. Love for everyone. Love for everyone. Great. Unconditional support. Unconditional support. Leadership. Really Leadership. Oh, now they're coming. Great. I've scared you away. <laughs> uh, 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 for me, all those things and, and kindness, you had to be kind, right? Wow, that's a kindness. That wasn't soft. It wasn't a weakness, but a kindness. Uh, we've talked about is non-judgmental. He, he's accepting uh, of me. He, he knows me entirely and utterly and still says, oh, yes, able to heal me able to fix me, able to repair me. And and to be powerful enough to adjust the system that I'm caught in so it doesn't keep crushing me. You know, the world has a way of crushing the life out of us. And in my Messiah, in the Messiah, I need someone who can give me another option, like another system, like another kingdom to belong to where there is life and there is vitality. When I first came to faith at 16 years old, I had a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit, which I've shared at other times. And God simply, as you said, Teddy, transformed me, completely and utterly transformed me. And all the longings and the needs that were driving me, it's as if God utterly and entirely satisfied those needs, that those needs were no longer present. He exhausted the power that those needs had in my life. And he invited me into a relationship with him. He invited me to relate to him in a different way than I've been relating before. But relationships are pliable, aren't they? They they bend. They're meant to bend. They're not meant to be rigid. They're meant to stretch and grow and change and morph. And as your relationship does that with God, you need regular experiences with God to renew the joy of your salvation. It's just like you make sure you catch up with a friend for coffee every so often, because if you don't, you can grow apart. You're still good friends, but you don't know what's going on in each other's lives. But you come back and you sit down for a coffee or invite them around for a meal or you go out for a walk with them and it renews the joy of that relationship. God is no different. Those experiences with God are actually encounters with the Holy Spirit. And if you've experienced the sense of God, you've encountered the Holy Spirit. And right now, you may be realizing that the Holy Spirit's presence and encountering the Holy Spirit isn't as scary as I've perhaps thought the Holy Spirit might be. If you've had a prayer answered. If you feel God has aligned you or called you or placed some wisdom in you, you've encountered the Holy Spirit already. And it's, it's hard to prove though, isn't it? It's hard to measure. It's, it's, it's hard to, to quantify what that is or how it happened or prove it to anybody else. And I'll give you an example just so you can see how difficult it is. The other day, Lyndall came home. With this beautiful product this is a marzipan, marzipan chocolate bar i love them oh my goodness let's let's do a little bit of a survey just for a bit of fun who loves marzipan yes the five of us six of us yes come on Lyndall hates the stuff but she knows i love it i think You know in high school where they give you the the food pyramid? I think marzipan should have it's own story, it's own little section, just marzipan, everybody should eat marzipan, incredible. I don't understand why others don't like it, I've liked it ever since I was little and I pinched the marzipan from underneath the icing on wedding cakes that we went to, amazing. And many of you right now are thinking, Ralph you've lost your mind like marzipan seriously so what and here's the interesting thing Lyndall knows i love it she doesn't like it but when she brought it home that conveyed a lot of things to me that's very difficult to explain to other people it conveyed to me that i'm loved that she's thinking of me that she wants to bring me joy that she cares about me it conveyed a lot But it's really hard to kind of wrap your hands around. You see, for the recipient, it changes everything. Even though the power of what's happened is very hard to explain to somebody else. That's how the ministry of the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit renews our relationship with Jesus and enables us to love the life we are called to. It's the Holy Spirit's ministry that enables those things. In John, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, And I will ask my Father, and I will give you another advocate. Now that word in the Greek is parikalitos. Do you want to have a go at saying it? One, two, three. parakletos. Well done, Greek scholars. Um, I send a parakletos to help you and be with you forever. Now, that word, parakletos, sounds very impressive. It's very, very difficult to translate into an English word that means the same because we don't really have any. So the best that we can come up with is helper or advocate. But, But if you want to grab hold of what the parakletos is, think about A mother who has just gone into labor and about to have a baby and needs a midwife present to make that go well. Or you're about to go under anesthesia and you're really hoping your surgeon is up to the task. Or your house is caught on fire, who do you call? Fire brigade. You're hoping the fire brigade get there or someone's drowning out at sea and you call the surf lifesaver. That's the parakalitos, that's stepping into this moment of utter disaster to bring order and out of the chaos and to make things work. The other day, uh, we took the kids down the beach and we we're in Kulangara and the winds were on shore. And when that happens, the blue bottle jellyfish come with them. We didn't realize this at the time. Only been living here 15 years anyway. The um, so the kids are paddling around in the water and having a great time and get a little bit deeper, sort of their waist and stuff. And all of a sudden, at the top of her voice, Zari shrieks in pain. Shrieks in pain. Now, I love Zari, daughter, she's one of the loves of my life, but she she likes to overemphasize things at times. She's an eight year old girl, so give her credit. And so when she's, oh, it's like, oh, Zari, I wonder what's happened now. Did you get a bit of salt water in your eye or something? And she comes in, and she goes, Dad, I've been bitten. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, hang on, bitten in the ocean. That's not a good combination. And she walks up, she goes, it's my leg. And down the side of her leg, she has this brilliant bright red, like, welt mark. I was like, oh, oh, we do have a problem. You have actually been bitten, you've actually been stung by a blue bottle of jellyfish. She goes, Dad, I know. How do you know? Because I pulled it off. Like, oh, of course. Yeah, it was, it was your leg. And then I'm like, What do we do? What do we do? Because I've watched Bear Grylls, Man vs. Wild, and he would wee on it. And I didn't think that was appropriate for a number of reasons. And Zari absolutely didn't think that was a good option. And I turn around, and no kings so are seized there, and I turn around. And five to 10 metres away, the surf lifesavers had set up camp and were just hanging out. And so I grabbed Zara and I carried her over and I said, "I explained what happened. They go, oh, I'll put her down and they fixed her up in no time at all. And gave us some instructions about what to do when we got home. And by this time she calmed down, she'd had a drink of water and in an hour it was all gone. The world's all gone. The act... Of the surf life-saving crew was that parakalitos it was in the crunch we're there we can save you we can help we can get you the help that you need so when jesus says there is a parakalitos coming who will be with you always and you will know him he says in verse 17 for he lives with you Well, oh, that's of myself Jesus is saying what you experience from my physical presence you will come to have more of through the physical presence of the Holy Spirit who will be amongst you and remain with you always when you give your life to Christ when you come to that point of conversion you're experiencing and encountering the Holy Spirit and it's the presence of Of the parakletos nature of the holy spirit that will keep you renewed to jesus that's how you stay renewed in your faith by the work of the holy spirit in you you stay connected to jesus you belong to jesus you feel the warmth and the the love and the faithfulness and the steadfastness and the wisdom and the grace of jesus through the work of the holy spirit it was the ministry of the holy spirit that caught the attention of Peter and Andrew and then of James and John. And the Holy Spirit held them to Jesus and welcomed them to Jesus in the same way that you might go to a party and the host says, there's someone you have to meet. Come this way. And they take you by the hand and they make the mingling much easier because they help you introduce you. That's what the Holy Spirit did. With James and John and Peter and Andrew, he said, there's someone you have to meet. This is the Messiah who you've been waiting for. Which brings me to today's clip. We're going to watch how this unfolds. And my prayer is that as you watch it, the Holy Spirit would minister to you, would renew your relationship with Christ as you see just the kindness and joy in Jesus. And the background to this clip, just to make it all make sense, is that you realise Peter and Andrew are under massive financial struggle. They're about to lose not only their boat, their fishermen, not only their boat, but the house as well. And for Peter, his mother-in-law's just moved in. And so they, they've got one more night. So they go out to fish, knowing that the only thing that can save them is if they catch the largest haul of fish that they've ever caught. And they're out there, they're not catching anything. They invite James and John to help and they're not catching anything, and they come back to shore, and they're just so dejected and empty, and they've lost everything. And they bump in to a character who's teaching by the side of the lake. And I just encourage you just to wait on and listen for the work of the Spirit in your life as you watch this. I could stand on your boat, it would be heaven. have to travel here, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Please, please, stand on my boat. Thank okay. you. I need to go. I'm sorry. I don't have to stay here. Stay a few moments longer. I have something for you. For me? Uh, I'm in a hurry. Yes, I know. Just allow me a few moments. Please. Sir, trust me. As I've trusted you, this family is the Messiah. It's good to see you again. Yes? I want to share another story. Can everyone hear me? Yeah. Well, let's thank our friends for this strong boat huh? <laughs> Trust me, my yelling voice is not easy on the ears. Because I'm on this boat, my final parable should be about fishing, yes? Simon, please send me that tent. <laughs> When this net is thrown into the sea, what happens, Simon? Uh, I mean most of the huh? time. <laughs> it gathers a, a little amount. It gathers fish. Yes. This net gathers fish. All kinds of fish. Yes? Yes. All kinds of fish. And the kingdom of heaven is like what happens next. After the net is pulled, Simon and the others draw it to the shore, sit down, and sort out the fish. The good fish go into the barrels, the bad fish thrown in. So it would be at the end of the age. Angels would come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace. Do you understand? Therefore, every scribe who has been praying for the kingdom of heaven like you all are now is like the master of a house who brings forth his treasures both new and old. You are to do the same with this knowledge. These parables are telling Makes sense to some, not to others. Be patient. That is all for today. I have some business to attend to with my new friend. Ha <laughs> My face, how's that? To- Well, yes, you, James and John, come, follow me. I'll take the fish to the market and settle outside Simon's I'll get some help with the hold of these books. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell him You've just been called by the man we prayed for, by the entire lives. And he asked me, what will I say when he gets supper? <laughs> no. So, you should know how to do this just a few more us. Oh, we'll make a great team on a boat. Son, joke. Fish are nothing. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon son, son John. Did you understand that parable I told you to From now on, I will make you fishes of men. You are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. open our hearts to you now, The your Holy Spirit would minister to us. Holy Spirit, carry the weights and the love and the power of the Messiah, of Jesus, our love, into our hearts, into our lives. renew the joy of our salvation. every worry, every concern, every pain, every frustration, appease now. Lord, fill us with your grace and your goodness. Forgive us for our sins against you, for our sins against each other. Forgive us. Heal the disappointment we may have, the heartbreak that we carry, the secrets that we harbour, Lord. Shine your light into us and disempower all that is not of you. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. You took our death as yours. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. And you gave us your life. Lord, renew that life in us today. Call us into that life. And fill us with so much of your life that it bubbles over into the lives of those we will meet who will spend time with who will love and care for this week lord we thank you for your goodness your grace and your mercy we ask these things in your wonderful name amen let's stand and sing a final hymn which is really fitting all my hope on god is founded